the sermon this morning comes from Mark chapter 7. I made a, a change so uh, after I sent in my information, so the text is a little bit um, different than what the bulletin says. So you can turn to Mark 7. So um, we're going to read verses 14 through 23, and I'll give you an introduction, and then we'll pray, and then I'll read the text, just to let you know kind of what's going on. Um, But keep your Bibles open to Mark 7. We're going to get to there just in a moment. Well, let's say you've been feeling lousy for a couple weeks. You've not been feeling well. You finally drag yourself to the doctor. He examines you, and he's really nice, but he kind of beats around the bush. He doesn't give you any clear answers. And he tells you a couple things that you might have, but he says, you know what, don't worry, just get some rest, you'll be fine. If you've ever had a doctor appointment like that, you go away kind of frustrated. That doesn't really help. Nice guy, but he didn't give you a proper diagnosis. So you go to a different doctor, And after the exam, he tells you straight up, you have some pretty bad gallstones. In fact, one's blocking a duct, and you need to do something quickly, soon, or it's going to get bad really fast. Even though it was kind of blunt and hard news, you were glad to hear it because that's what you needed to hear. You you had answers and the truth. And so it is the same thing with the Bible's teaching about us, about our condition as humans, as people. Today we're going to learn some straightforward truth from Jesus about the condition of man, about the condition of people. And and it's not really a feel-good teaching, but it's a faithful one that we need to hear. In fact, we're, we're going to read this in just a second, but one commentator said that these verses that we're going to read contain one of the most revolutionary passages in the whole New Testament. This is a major passage. And it's part of a larger story where Jesus is clashing with the Pharisees on purity versus impurity and their traditions versus the word of God. So this is part of the bigger story. So in the verses we're going to read in just a second, Jesus gives us the truth about purity and impurity before God. Jesus gives us the truth about purity and impurity before God. Let's pray before we read scripture. Father, here we are this morning with your word open before us, and we definitely need your help listening carefully. We definitely need your help, O Lord, understanding the truth of Scripture. And Father, we also need your help applying these truths to our lives. And so we pray by your Holy Spirit that you would be with us and open our hearts and eyes and ears to the truth of your word today. In Christ's name, amen. So Jesus had just talked to the Pharisees, and then he uh, said these words. I'll read the first two verses, uh, 14 and 15, and then I'll come back to the rest later in the sermon. But keep your Bibles open. God's word says, And he called the people to him again and said to them, Hear me, all of you, and understand. There is nothing outside a person that by going into him can defile him. But the things that come out of a person are what defile him. That's our follow read for now. Keep your Bible open. So the story picks up here. Jesus had just taught the Pharisees and talked to the Pharisees and critiqued them very harshly for their man-made traditions. 
that they were putting up next to the word of God. And Jesus said essentially to the Pharisees, when you put your man-made traditions next to the word of God, you're throwing the word of God out. That's what he had just said. Now Jesus is addressing a larger crowd. Um, That probably does include Pharisees and scribes. But he says to this crowd, as we just read, listen and understand. And when Jesus says that, you you do that, right? Stop and really think about what he's going to say. And then Jesus gives us that statement. He says there's nothing outside of a person that goes into him that can defile him. Instead, the things that come out of a person are what defile him. He taught the same thing in Matthew 15. You know what that means? I mean, do you understand that? Are you catching the drift of Jesus' teaching here? Now, you do have to think about the Old Testament um, clean and unclean distinctions. That's in the background here. Moses' law did say that some things were impure and unclean and you shouldn't touch them like a dead body. That's in the Old Testament. And Jesus, like I I said already, Jesus was just teaching the Pharisees the truth about that and he was telling them about their man-made traditions, their add-ons to Old Testament law. And he said, you you can't be defiled if you go into the market and then come home and eat without washing your hands. That doesn't defile you, even though the Jewish tradition said it would. Jesus says, no, there's nothing going that's out of you that can go in to defile you. He's telling the crowd that truth. Instead, you're defiled or made unclean before God by what comes out of you. Earlier, the Pharisees and scribes were critiquing Jesus because his disciples didn't rinse or wash their hands before they ate because it would make them impure. And maybe this is why the disciples weren't doing that, because Jesus told them, you know, that's not going to make you impure. You don't have to do that. And the Pharisees and scribes had a big problem. Now, what's interesting in in the way that Mark puts this story is um, there's a stop here. We're going to pick up in just a second and read verse 17. But um, Jesus no doubt taught the crowd more than this, but Mark just tells us this little bit. There's nothing that comes in that can make you defiled. It's only what goes out of you that can make you defiled. Stop. That's the end of that part of Jesus' teaching for us to think about. Now, I don't think that's revolutionary for for anybody here, really. Um, It's not eyebrow-raising for you. If you had bacon this morning, (laughs) you didn't confess your sins afterwards that it made you impure, because you know that bacon isn't going to go in and make you impure before God. We know that. But the crowd back then would not quickly agree, and just move on. Especially the strict Jews in the crowd, like the scribes and the Pharisees, they would completely disagree. They are following the teaching and the tradition of the elders, which added on to the Old Testament law, and the Pharisees and scribes would say, no, you're wrong, Jesus. What goes in can make you impure. That's why we've got to rinse our hands and wash the bowls and the cups, because they could be impure with Gentile impurities. And so Jesus' teaching here directly opposes the Pharisees and scribes' teaching, the heart of their religion. And think about the original readers. Remember, Mark wrote these stories for an audience. If an original reader was a Gentile person maybe thinking about following Jesus, that person would think, great, 
That's good. But if you were a strict Jewish person and you were reading this story and thinking about following Jesus, that would rock your religious boat. Mark puts it out for us to think about. Now we're going to read the next uh, section in just a second, but if you were paying attention, actually you're all going to look now, the ESV goes right from verse 15 to 17. Um, and there's a footnote, I think. And let me just give you a little bit of this because there's a, you know, supposedly a verse missing here. Some manuscripts here have, whoever has ears to hear, let him hear. Some manuscripts don't. It's a bigger discussion, um, but really whatever side you fall on, if this belongs here, it doesn't change any meaning. Jesus did say that elsewhere. So it's nothing to, to you know, lose faith in the Bible over because this manuscript is a maybe of verse 16. Okay, well, let's go on then. Let's read the rest of the text, verses 17 through 23. So the story changes a little bit. And when he had entered the house and left the people, his disciples asked him again about the parable. And he said to them, Then are you also without understanding? Do you not see that whatever goes into a person from outside cannot defile him, since it enters not his heart, but his stomach, and is expelled. Thus, he declared all foods clean. And he said, what comes out of a person is what defiles him. For from within, out of the heart of man, comes evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, Foolishness. All these evil things come from within, and they defile a person. It's God's word. So, so you see, see how the story shifts. Jesus taught that other one statement in front of a crowd, and now he's alone with his disciples. But it says here that Mark tells us that his disciples didn't get the parable. It, it's a parable, um, a spiritual truth in, in a little short story form. And Jesus was very blunt with them. He said to his disciples, don't you guys get it? Are you guys also dull of understanding or ignorant? So Jesus explains it more for his disciples, which he often does. It's not like his disciples were always quick on the ball and they understood everything Jesus said right away. Jesus would often go with them in private and explain a little more what he meant. And so Jesus then explains it further to him and he says... Whatever goes into a person can't make him impure because basically it doesn't go into his heart. It doesn't touch his heart. But it just goes into his stomach and is expelled. Or it, it, if you want to do a rough translation, it goes into the toilet. It, you know, you eat it, it passes through, and that's that. It doesn't make you unclean. It doesn't touch your heart. It doesn't defile you. Now, a little side note here. I think maybe when I was younger... I don't think I just used this verse to justify sin, but I was wondering, does this mean, does this verse mean that I can like listen to really bad explicit music and go to sketchy R-rated movies and, and drink a lot of alcohol or read trashy romance novels because what goes in doesn't defile me? <laughs> is that what Jesus is teaching here? No. That's not the context of what Jesus is saying here. He's, he's talking in the context of these Jewish traditionalist beliefs that foods and cups and bowls could possibly defile a person if you don't rinse them before using them. That's the context. 
So Jesus is saying here that if you eat the meat from a cow raised by a pagan Gentile, that meat can't make you unclean because it has nothing to do with your heart. You just eat the meat, you digest it, and it leaves the body, and it doesn't affect or touch your heart. It has no moral effect on your heart. It's just food. I mean, in today's context, it would be like if you would eat bread from a bakery that's owned by a Muslim, the bread is not going to make you defiled before God because it doesn't have anything to do with your heart. One of the commentaries, R.T. France, uh, said this, in an ultimate sense, food and the heart have nothing to do with each other. Now, once again, we mostly understand this, don't we? I think we get what Jesus is teaching, thankfully, because we've had good Christian um, instruction. But don't miss the radical, groundbreaking, revolutionary aspect of this statement in Jewish context, especially of the scribes and Pharisees. This is like a bombshell on the man-made Jewish traditions, and it's a direct hit. This is why the Pharisees and the scribes hated Jesus so much. Because he was aiming at the core of their religious beliefs. And Mark gives us an explanation. If you have an ESV, the end of verse 19 puts it in parentheses, which is good. Thus he declared all foods clean. Or pure. Undefiled. So what Mark is doing here is he's interpreting Jesus' teaching for the readers. For us. When Jesus said that, by the way, Mark is telling us, you know, in, in, in an inspired way, that Jesus is declaring all foods clean. It's not just a descriptive comment, it's an authoritative one. Jesus declared all foods clean. Just like long before the Lord declared some foods unclean for the Israelites, now the Lord is declaring all foods clean. Do you see how significant this is? So you have to think about this then. Wait, wait a minute. What, what about the f- clean and unclean, the purity laws of the old covenant? What, what about those? I mean, there were some purity laws in old, the Old Testament, for sure. You can read Leviticus 11, like creatures from the sea that don't have fins or scales, they're unclean, don't eat them. The pig does not chew its cud, so you can't eat it. It's unclean. There's a list of purity laws in the Old Covenant. So what do we do with Jesus saying that he's making all foods clean? Well, the Old Covenant was a temporary thing. It wasn't meant to last forever. It was a temporary thing for that nation of that day. And like one commentary said, God declared some foods unclean in order to mark out Israel as a holy people distinct from the nations. But it was a limited time law. But now Mark is saying that Jesus is acting with the authority of God to declare that all foods are clean, thereby breaking down one of the barriers that separates Jews and Gentiles. That's what the commentary said. That's good. So Jesus is not overthrowing Moses' law. He's not saying Moses' law is bad and you don't have to obey it anymore. But he's fulfilling the law. It's not just a cliche statement. That's a biblical truth. When Jesus came, he fulfilled those old covenant ceremonies and laws. And the temporary old covenant laws have come to an end in Christ. 
and that the one that gave the clean and unclean law didn't intend that it would last forever. And the one that gave a temporary law can repeal it and fulfill it in his own timing. That's what he's doing. Now, Christians after this, it took them a while to understand this. Do you remember Peter and the sheet vision? You've you got to read that in Acts 10, I think 20 or 30 years later. Um, the sheet comes down in, in Peter's vision. Remember that? And there's all kinds of different animals. And Peter said, I would never eat anything like that because it's unclean. Remember what it said in Acts 10. The Lord speaks and says, don't call something unclean if God has made it clean. Paul later did get it in Romans 14. He said, I'm persuaded that in the Lord Jesus, nothing is unclean in itself. So this is the start of that teaching where, where the old covenant purity laws are coming to an end. There is no more clean, unclean distinction in foods and such. But Jesus goes on and he says, instead, in verse 20, what comes out of a person is what makes him impure or defiled. Now he's not talking about you know, being expelled in, into the sewer or whatever. And he's not talking about the old covenant law of you know, blood discharges. That's not what he's talking about. He's talking about sinful thoughts, sinful emotions, and sinful desires coming out of the heart. Those are the things that make a person impure before God. Out of the heart. What is the heart, biblically speaking? Well, Craig Troxell said the heart is the governing center of a person. I know sometimes we think that there's a division between head and heart, but not in the Bible. In, in the Bible, if you look at the definition of the heart, it's your thoughts, it's your emotions, it's your will, it's your desire, it's your mind. It's all one. It's kind of the center of us. That's why we talk about the thoughts of our hearts and the desires of our hearts and the longing of our hearts. Jesus said what comes out of our hearts makes us impure before God. That was a pretty dark list, wasn't it? It's almost like Paul's, you know, lust or the works of the flesh in Galatians. But here in verse 21, I mean, look at that list. Evil thoughts, sexual sin, murder, coveting and deceit and sensuality and envy and slander and even more. That's... Those things that come out of the heart are what defile a person before God. And a little side note for you to meditate on. Those things never came out of Jesus' heart. Because he was perfectly pure, without sin. But they do come out of our hearts as sinful people. So just realize that Jesus did not teach that deep down people are basically good. He said right here, very clearly, that, that really dark, really ugly, really evil thing could come out of people's hearts. And Jesus didn't teach that people do bad things because things out there make us evil. He said that evil things out there come from within, from people's evil hearts. Depravity. This is just Old Testament teaching, right? Jeremiah 17. The heart is what above all things? Deceitful. 
And those deceitful and dirty and sinful things that come out of a heart are what defile a person. So think about this kind of just some uh, putting it in today's terms. When I'm proud, arrogant, think higher of myself than I should, or um, when I'm jealous of what someone's, something someone has, that makes me impure before God. If you covet something that your neighbor has, if you covet your neighbor's beautiful family, if, if you covet your, your friend's new car, that, that, that defiles you. Or if someone deceives you, deceit defiles that person. Or if someone slanders and speaks evil about her dad or mom, that defiles her in the sight of God, and so on. It just hits home to a person's heart. And again, the Old Testament says in Genesis 6, God saw the thoughts that came from people's hearts and they were consistently and, and totally evil. Proverbs talks about a crooked heart, a perverted heart, an arrogant heart. So I think a lot of us understand what Jesus is teaching here. You, you know, if you've read the New Testament a few times or if you've been a Christian for a while, I think you're, you're, you're following well, let's do some application work. And what does it mean for you today? Well, first of all, Jesus' teaching here gives us a real or a true view of ourselves, who we are. It's not like if you peel back all the layers of a person and look deep inside, you would find someone who's wonderful, patient, kind, honest, gentle, truthful, pure, and so on. Because out of the heart comes dark and evil things. And this helps us to know ourselves. You know, why do I do bad things? Why do I struggle with coveting my friend's car? Or why does my mind get stuck in a mental loop constantly worrying about something so much that it almost gives me a panic attack? Why do I get so angry at people? Why do I sometimes lust? Or why do I not feel like praying or reading the Bible? not because the devil made me do it. It's not because society has conditioned me in a certain way. It's because those things are coming out of a heart. That's not perfect. That's sinful. This helps us understand ourselves and people. Why is there racism and violence? And, and why are there evils in the world? It's because those things come out of people's hearts not the devil's fault. It's not society's fault. It's, it's us. I think um, some time ago, you know who G.K. Chesterton is? He was a Catholic apologist, and there, I think there was an essay contest in one of the English papers. Maybe you heard the story. Um, they said, write an essay and tell us what's wrong with the world. Remember what G.K. Chesterton wrote? His answer was, his essay was, I am. Because <laughs> he knew his own heart. Now, I know there's a distinction between non-regenerate, unregenerate people who aren't Christians and Christians. I mean, if you're a Christian, you do have a renewed heart, and you're starting to make obedience to God, and there is some light and purity and truth in your heart by God's grace. But we still struggle with sin. And if you're not a Christian, if you're not a believer, you don't have a renewed heart, and these things are, are the M.O. of your heart's thoughts. So it tells us about ourselves. 
Now, another point of application is that this should humble us in a biblical way. I can't blame other people for the terrible things in my heart. I can't shift the guilt to society. When, when I come face to face with Jesus teaching here and think about my own sinful heart, I have to say what David said. I have sinned and done these evils in your sight, Lord. And it's a humbling truth that we all have sinful hearts. Even though we're not all murderers, we all have a heart capable of hating so, someone so much we kill him. So J.C. Ryle said, every person has within him the root of every sin. And that should keep you humble. Can't think too highly of yourselves if you know your own hearts and the truth of it. So Jesus' teaching gives us a real view of ourselves. And that should humble us. You know, if the story ended here, it would be quite a downer. Right? If this was the only paragraph of Jesus' teaching you had, you'd go away condemned. Hopeless, gloomy situation with no good news. You know the story doesn't end there. And I'm not going to go through the whole thing, but Mark, when he was assembling these stories of Jesus, masterfully, right after this story, Mark tells a story about where Jesus goes into a Gentile region into a Gentile home where a Gentile woman begs him to cast a demon out of her poor Gentile daughter. And if you're thinking in Jewish terms, there's all kinds of impurities there. But you can read the story later today. It'd be a good Sabbath exercise. But Jesus saw the woman's faith and he cast the demon out of her daughter. And among other things, the story right after this in Mark 7 tells us that Christ is the one who brings wholeness and purity and forgiveness. And the other stories in the gospel say the same thing. So what do you do when you realize that your heart is sinful? Well, you do what that Gentile woman did and many others did. You go to Jesus with it. You, 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 you bring that to Christ and, and you ask him for forgiveness. And remember the one who had the authority to give the purity laws, the authority to repeal them and fulfill them, also had the authority to forgive sins. And he still does that today. And if you've committed every sin in that list that Jesus gave us, his forgiveness is so full, robust, and extensive that he can forgive you of all of those things if you go to him and repent. If you're not a believer, you know, if, you, if you haven't gone to Christ for forgiveness, let me tell you this story and other biblical teaching along with it show you the heart of Christ as one who forgives. So don't live with the guilt of your sin. Don't go away from this message thinking, oh, my heart is so dirty. What do I do? You know what to do. Go to Jesus. Ask him for forgiveness. It's not just cliche in the hymn that says his blood can make the foulest clean. It's true. And, you know, this goes for Christians, too. That we... 
we're, we're saints, but we still struggle with sin, right? We're saints and sinners at the same time. And, and we still struggle with these things in our own hearts because we're still being sanctified. We're a work in progress. So I just want to remind you who, who already follow Jesus, never forget that awesome biblical truth that with the Lord there is forgiveness. With the Lord there is forgiveness. When you fall your, see your, or feel yourself stumbling in these ways, bring it to Christ. His blood can make the foulest clean. And it doesn't say here in the story if the Apostle John was with Jesus, but I'm assuming he was. John was with Jesus a lot. The disciples, thankfully, in this story, they don't get it quite. But later they do. In fact, John goes on uh, to write about it in 1 John 1, and, and I'll end with this great truth where John took the teaching of Christ and wrote it in an epistle, 1 John 1. If we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and cleanse us from all wickedness. Amen. Let's pray. Thank you, Father, for this wonderful teaching of Christ, this truth about humanity. We're grateful, Lord, that in your providence you recorded these stories even for us here today. And dear Father, if there is anyone here who doesn't know Christ in a saving way, who is still under the burden and guilt of sin, I pray by your Holy Spirit that, that even this sermon would, would bring that person to Christ, to find forgiveness full and free. And for everyone here, Lord, kids or, or middle-aged or even older, we pray that all of us would not just realize the sinfulness of our own hearts and what comes out of them, but we would realize the cleansing fountain of Christ. And the truth that his blood can make the foulest clean. So help us to think about these things in a biblical way, we pray, for your glory and the good of your church. In Christ's name, amen.